This is the weekly sermon from Church of the Holy Trinity, a Reformed Episcopal parish of the Anglican Church in North America in Houston, Texas. Please join us on Sundays at 8.15 and 10.30 a.m. for Holy Communion and visit us on the web at holytrinityrec.org. Please enjoy the sermon. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be always acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. You may be seated. Just a uh, slight warning before we begin the sermon this morning. I'm going uh, against the grain of my normal time length, so... It won't be an hour, but it's a little bit longer than normal, so just, just, just know that. Um, what I'd like to draw your attention to today in your bulletins, uh, Isaiah chapter 60. We will go through that chapter looking at the significance of the epiphany and the manifestation of Jesus to all of us. What I really like to hone in on is the very last phrase of the Old Testament reading today and how that applies to Jesus and us because he has made you beautiful. This from verse 9 speaks of the new life that we celebrate in Jesus Christ that we have as an ongoing relationship with him. See God when he looks upon us as Christians he looks at his son Jesus Christ dying in our place. He does not look at our works, at our words, but he looks at the finished work of Christ, his resurrection, his ascension. He sees the beauty of his son applied to his children as beautiful. Epiphany as a feast is the beginning, if you will, of the pulling back of the veils of the darkness that had been upon humanity's eyes since God dismantled the Tower of Babel in the book of Genesis and the peoples were dispersed throughout the earth, speaking many different languages. The manifestation of Jesus Christ to all peoples culminated in the book of Acts with the coming of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost, where the gifts of tongues were given to the apostles so that they could preach the word of God to, the, to all the people present from all parts of the world in their own languages. A manifestation of the Spirit to humanity. It isn't our nature as sinful people to try to roll back the consequences of our sin through trying to unite, if you will, by our terms, by our ways, shaking our fist at God in defiance. It isn't our sin nature to try, if you will, to self-beautify, to try to get God's attention. God's plan from the start, though, was reunification of humanity not through man's works, not through man's words, not through man's cunning, but through his son, Jesus Christ. Our problem in self-reunification projects always is impatience. We live in wonderful times, if you think about it, and extremely fearful times, if you think about it, in terms of our technology. These are wonderful times if they're used for a holy purpose, Christ-like purpose, to fulfill the Great Commission, to continue, if you will, the manifestation of Jesus to all peoples throughout the earth. These are fearful times if they're used with the same model that we see with the Tower of Babel. 
to unite through rebellion against Jesus Christ. Used with wicked intent, we merely try to self-beautify in darkness with vile filth of sin and death. This morning, let us reflect upon the point that God and Jesus Christ indeed makes us holy. He makes us beautiful, manifested to us through the epiphany as we celebrate today. Verses 1 through 4, first of all, speak of the gracious act of God that the light of Jesus Christ has come to save us. As we read in verse 1 today, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. The light of Christ raises us literally from the dead to live in him through a loving trust. It is amazing what light can do to us if you think about it in the middle of the night. I know for myself, even if a small light comes on in the middle of the night after much darkness and much sleep, suddenly I'm awake. The idea here and throughout scripture, especially of the star that guided the Gentile wise men to Jesus, is that his light causes us to rise. In verse 4 of the psalm today, we read, His lightnings gave light to the world. The earth sawed and was afraid. We worship God and the glorious majesty out of awe, out of reverence, out of honor. This is the fear of God. And continuing in verse 6 of the psalm today, the heavens have declared his righteousness, and all the peoples have seen his glory. No matter how much we in sin through denying God and burrowing our lives into darkness, we cannot escape the light of Jesus Christ. We cannot escape his holiness, his righteousness, his beauty. See, the Lord, as we read continually through the gospel, seeks us out. The lost sheep, the one out of a hundred, finding us, redeeming us from the darkness. As Paul wrote in Ephesians 5, But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. I think we often mistake this passage to mean that we have to muster up enough good works through self-beautification projects to earn God's notice and favor. That we have to figure it out ourselves. To walk carefully as wise is to walk in a total trust and dependence upon Jesus Christ. Not as my buddy, not as my pal, not as my friend, but as king, as sovereign, as Lord. When we rebel seeking to trust in self over Jesus Christ, we fall into darkness. When Jesus shines upon us, he enables us to walk in his light. That he feeds us as our good shepherd, that he sustains us, that he protects us, that he keeps us safe eternally. Verse 2 of our Isaiah passage speaks of the former path, the path that we sometimes slide into when we sin, when we rebel, when we distrust Jesus Christ. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth and thick darkness the peoples. It is humility to acknowledge on this side of eternity our propensity towards darkness and sin. In this humility through repentance, renewal occurs. Rekindling occurs in the light of Christ. Repentance and hearing his forgiving words helps us receive the message 
the message of the epiphany, of the manifestation of Jesus Christ to all people anew. Verse 7 of the psalm describes a little more our sinful darkness. Confounded be all those who who worship carved images and who delight in false gods. Worship him, all you gods. When we succumb for a time into sin, it is falling again into the darkness of idolatry. Temptations to worship either self or other gods abound throughout our lives. The light of Christ obliterates the darkness and finality with the cross, securing us a place as God's children, led by Jesus Christ throughout this life, whether they be through the dark valleys or through the mountaintops. He leads us. The light of Christ upon us does not always instantly revive us to wake us up. We sometimes get that message in Christianity. Sometimes, depending on how far of sleep we have fallen into in terms of sin, even the brightest light can take time to wake us up. Even if we arise with a start to a light and great darkness, our bodies, our minds, our hearts take time to get back to functioning properly. The same is true of us when we are stirred from a sinful slumber, from a shadow of darkness, from a period of darkness. It takes time to renew. It takes time to be reoriented to the center of our existence. Not me, not anything else but Jesus Christ. It is his patient work within us as our good shepherd to pull us gently from our sinful darkness, our sinful slumber, one baby step at a time. We often in our self-absorption and impatience balk at the point, at this point, in our lives, in terms of how God works within us, sanctification. God is not a God that snaps a finger magically and we're healed, and we're perfect. No, he works slowly within us to lead us gently and sometimes firmly with loving discipline to his ways of love over our ways of selfishness. This is what is meant in the last part of Isaiah 60, verse 2. But the Lord will arise upon you, and his glory will be seen upon you. See, God continually beautifies us throughout our lives through what we call sanctification, building us up in his love. See, sanctification, building us up, it is the work of God. It is not our work. We submit in loving trust to his work. He fosters his fruits within us for the good of others, out of love. Too often, though, we look at bearing fruit imagery in scripture as our work, that we have to self-beautify, that we have to take tend our own tree, our own branch, and we have to self-prune, and so forth. In reality, it is the work of God. In his work within us, he enables us to work in love by his help. Notice the imagery here in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 6 through 9. Paul wrote, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. He who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his wages according to his labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. When we see it as our work alone, we once again fall prey to fostering fruits of sin and death 
meant solely for self, not for others. Another issue we have to be careful of is that we do not spend our time as Christians investigating the fruit of others to the point we either cover up our own frailties or try to grab the attention of others by telling them to look at my fruit, to look at my works. Often what happens when we over-investigate the fruit of others is we look for the bad fruit and the bad fruit only to make our own flawed self-righteous fruit look better. Sometimes it's as simple as looking at the tree, looking at the fruits that someone else is producing and trying to pick the fruit before it's ripe, before it's ready, going against the grain of God's patience with us instead of waiting for the Lord to work. All the while we miss the point that God It is God that works within us. It is God that rises upon us, that it is his glory that will be seen upon us. God fosters and cultivates his good fruit within us. We are called to know them by their fruit, not in a proactive sense where we ignore our call to self, to examine ourselves, to repent and to seek Christ. Knowing them by their fruit is to enjoy the fruit of others. To enjoy the fruit of others for our benefit. When the fruit, though, that comes from others is bad, poisonous, when presented, it is through receiving and upon God-given discernment to reject it, to know that it is bad. And then through the work of the Holy Spirit in this discerning to gently lead those that have given poisonous fruit back to the fold, back to the point that it is God that works in our hearts. It is God that gives us this discernment. This discernment and knowing good and bad fruit, again, is not proactive. It is within the context of growing fruit and submitting to God ourselves. It is to study. It is to meditate. It is to know his word. In this rejection of bad fruit, it is the call of us to call others to repent. It is in this rejection we can lovingly teach others about trust in Christ, trust in his work to foster good fruit instead of relying on ourselves to foster fruit. Such is the love that we all need in presenting the light of Christ anew to those around us. Isaiah 60 verse 3 states, and nations shall come to your light and kings to the brightness of your rising. The beauty of God no longer means one nation or one race. The entire world is in view here. In Revelation 21, 24, we read, But its light will the nations walk, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it. When the Lord draws in the nations, the races, and those nations themselves, when they come to Christ, turn to other nations, shining their lights, the light of Christ, to those in their influence. See, the gospel is spread through the work of God within us, people to people, culture to culture, nation to nation. Verse 4 of our Old Testament continues, Lift up your eyes all around and see. They all gather together. They come to you. Your son shall come from afar, and your daughter shall be carried on the hip. The glory of Jesus reveals our former darkened eyes to see all around us. His glory is for us as his people. 
that gathers us together from afar. As we read again in verse 11 of the psalm, a light has sprung up for the righteous and joyful gladness for those who are true-hearted. Again, true-hearted occurs through the righteousness or the holiness of Jesus Christ that has been applied to us by grace through faith. In such, we find freedom to love as called, freedom to submit to God's work within us to his glory. The second section of our lesson in verses 5 through 7 speaks of how Jesus Christ has freed us, how he has freed the world. And we see this in verse 7. They, speaking of the Gentiles, speaking of all of mankind, shall come up with acceptance on my altar, and I will beautify my beautiful house. Verse 5 begins this section with a meditation upon the blessings of God. Then you shall see and be radiant. Your heart shall thrill and exult, because the abundance of the sea shall be turned to you. The wealth of the nation shall come to you. When called to faith by God's grace, clinging to Christ's righteousness over our works that are nothing but filthy rags, we see where we were once blind. It is helpful in serving Jesus to know our origins, to know where we came from, to know that we need him. God does not stop here, though. When we can see and are seen by the righteousness of Jesus Christ, we are indeed radiant in and through the Lord Jesus Christ alone in such freedom. We no longer have to worry. We no longer have to fear if we've made the cut, but that we can love one another. Good works. Verse 12 of our psalm continues, Rejoice in the Lord, you righteous, and give thanks at the remembrance of of his holiness. Our call in life in Jesus is to worship. Our rejoicing is in his righteousness that has been given to us, that has been applied to us. Life in Christ that enables gratitude and fosters gratitude means that we are a people that remember. When we forego remembrance, we forego thoughts and reflections upon what God did for us through his Son. Over time, in this neglecting the times God calls us to recollection, we again embrace blindness over clear vision. When we seek other enticements over the remembrance of Jesus Christ, over the remembrance of his work at the cross, we again turn to darkness and blindness. Remembrance is crucial for the Christian. It is his holiness we recall. It is his holiness that we thank God for, for applying to us. Remembrance occurs every time we open his word or hear his word, every time we pray, every time we come to worship, every time that we celebrate the sacrament on the first day of the week, the day of resurrection, Sunday. Verse 6 states the end, they shall bring gold and frankincense and shall bring good news, the praise of the Lord. This reference is the light of Jesus revealed to all of us. Fulfilled in the gospel reading today with the coming of the wise men to offer Jesus Christ the gifts. This is further explained to us in our epistle today from Paul and Ephesians 3. And to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things. So that through the church the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. It is through the body of Jesus Christ, the church, that the light of Christ is known to this world. It is our mission in life. When we neglect our connection to the church, to each other in the faith, 
we neglect the light of Christ and the need for his light within us to spread to each other. No matter where we came from, verse 7 stands true in Jesus Christ. They shall come up with acceptance of my altar, and I will beautify my beautiful house. It is God's church, the body of Christ throughout the entire world, tasked with spreading the news of this light. As Paul states in Romans 15:16, to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles in the priestly service of the gospel of God, so that the offering of the Gentiles may be acceptable, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. The life of faith tied in with worship is important in staying aflame for Jesus Christ. Closeness with Christ by trusting faith involves closeness with his people as his church, staying aflame. When we try to justify going it alone, we only justify whatever sinful tendencies we want to follow in rejection of Christ as our sovereign Lord. Sanctification by the Holy Spirit in one way is the constant revealing of the light of Jesus Christ upon every part of our being, slowly exposing sin that needs to be exposed for repentance and surrender (coughs) to Jesus. Slowly we see and renew our need for his work within us as part of the church, not apart from it. The last two verses of our lesson today speak to our call in the light of Jesus Christ to do all for the name of the Lord your God, to do everything in the name of Jesus Christ. The self-righteous hate this verse and the theme of the Epiphany message because they want to do everything to promote their own names as glorious and worthy of God's acceptance leaving Jesus as a mere good person with a good message to inspire and nothing more. The sinful stuck in the mire of self-delusion hate this verse as well, for they want everything to be about them for their self-gratification. In the epiphany, all is for the glory of God through loving others and putting others first over self. Whenever we begin putting self first for any reason, we neglect loving sacrifice. We neglect the light. The world's version of love is to make others sacrifice for me, for my self-advancement, for my self-gratification. That is the world's version of love. Verse 8 states, Who are these that fly like a cloud and like doves to the window, their windows? Further on in this passage, we see reference to ships of Tarshish and so forth coming in. This reference is the point that with the manifestation of Jesus to the Gentiles, the former model of dire fear for the coming fleets of Gentile invaders has evaporated. It's no longer a concern. Now the light of Christ upon all nations means that these coming Ships are not invading ships, but they are ships that are bringing in converts from all lands to the ark, if you will, to the ark of Christ's church. Ephesians 3, 6 states, This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Too often I fear in Christianity we shun this message. We shun the message of the manifestation of Jesus Christ to the whole world by placing man-made walls up to block access to those the Lord has called to himself in his church. Yes, we have a call to fence or guard the table, so to speak, but 
That is the gospel requirement of faithful trust in Jesus Christ as Lord and King for those that have been baptized him as, in him. As we say every week in our communion service, our fellow Christians of other branches of Christ church and all who love our, Lord, our divine Lord and Savior Jesus Christ in sincerity are affectionately invited to the Lord's table. We must be careful we not take things to a sinful direction concerning those God is bringing to his church. It is through grace, by faith, and the righteousness of Christ that we are saved and brought to the safety of his church, brought to his table. It is not through worldly externals erected by us in pride. Too often we do not want to own the last verse of this lesson, that God, through his Son, Jesus Christ, makes us beautiful. We don't want to hear that. Yes, he makes us beautiful, even those of us that were considered unclean Gentiles. As the church, we must embrace this truth and remember this truth every time we're tempted just a little bit to use worldly measures when looking at others that God calls to his midst. The beauty the Lord beholds is in us is not through our works, is not through our looks, is not through our words, or anything else we can muster. That is self-righteousness. That is the way of the Pharisees. The beauty is Jesus Christ that lived perfectly for us, that died for us, that rose again for us, that ascended to the right hand of God the Father Almighty as our King, as our Lord. His beauty is applied to us eternally regardless of how ugly we were in our sins. Regardless of how scarred we are in our sins, we are saved by his grace, calling us to faith in Jesus through repentance, through submission of life to Christ as king. The call for us, beautified in Jesus Christ, is to remember that Jesus is manifested to the entire world. In this remembrance, we're humbled, we're awed out of gratitude. This is gratitude enabling a love that trusts, a love that gives without asking for anything in return. As verse 10 of our psalm states, O you who love the Lord, see that you hate the thing which is evil. The Lord preserves the souls of his saints. He shall deliver them from the hand of the ungodly. It is a lie to teach that preservation and deliverance are easy, that they're easy endeavors, that it's just the snap of a finger and were preserved or delivered. Think about it this way. What happens in the process of preservation of anything in life to last? Think about a fruit tree since we already discussed fruit bearing. It must go through pruning. It must go through cold seasons. It must go through droughts. All of these contribute towards bearing good fruit. All of these are not pleasant. All of these are often painful. Think of it in terms of deliverance. Deliverance from the hand of the ungodly also is not very pleasant. What Jesus Christ endured upon the cross to deliver us was from the hand of the ungodly, and it was not pleasant. What we are called to do when we are told in Holy Scripture, to, when we are told to hate evil, is extremely hard. It is extremely tough. It is pruning. See, rejecting temptation is hard for it means we deny the sinful flesh. 
in honor and submission to King Jesus, to his sacrificial love. We can only endure by his preserving of us, through tending us, through dying for us, through calling us to die daily, not in my power, but in the power of Jesus Christ. In such, we are blessed. In such, we are beautiful. In such, we see every day that indeed we are God's chosen children, his workmanship, his clay that he is molding. We have a wonderful message to behold and ponder in the epiphany, the manifestation of Jesus Christ, not to just one nation, not to one culture, not to one race, but to the entire world. We have a wonderful message to spread to the world in the epiphany. In a world full of darkness, his light has come to save, to enlighten us. In a world of darkness where rejection is all that we experience sometimes, he makes us acceptable before God the Father Almighty. In a world where selfishness is the bottom line to do all things for me and for my name, we are saved and enabled to do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. In a world preoccupied with self-beautification projects, we experience and know that through Jesus Christ alone, God indeed has made us beautiful to his glory. Amen.